Good Friday, friends. Welcome to Enough for Today. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. We've had a rich week. This has been uh, very rewarding, this journey through Psalm 69. We're living through the pit with David. We're experiencing uh, the depth of despair and loss. David has hit the, the, the bottom of bottoms in life. He's lost everything. If this is the occasion where he um, was run out of town basically by his son, Absalom, um, then this is like the bottom. And it, it's sad because it, it's the loss of everything after generally a really good reign. He's been a, he's been a good shepherd king. He's been kind and gracious and he's been uh, faithful to God and to leading the nation to worship God. He's made some personal mistakes. Um, he's made some family mistakes, but as a leader, he's done right. And um, generally speaking, he's a man after God's heart. But now his undealt with sin and mistakes, especially pertaining to his family relationships, have come back hard on him. Absalom has tried to uh, usurp a hostile takeover of his kingdom. David's been run out of town and he's totally reproached. But what does he do? He goes to God. Verse 13, we've been, we've been kind of hovering between verses 13 and um, we left off at verse 16 yesterday. And just the fact that David's in a pit praying for deliverance, but, but in the pit asking God for mercy and closeness and intimacy. And that's kind of where we pick up the sense of it in verse 17. He says, and hide not thy face from thy servant, <clears throat> for am I, I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. So God, I'm in trouble. And rather than react, rather than do the wrong thing, I'm turning to you. And I need to see your face in this. And I, I love this because he is asking, he's going to ask for deliverance. He's, he is asking for vengeance. He's asking for God to take action. But before he asks God to take action, externally and circumstantially and situationally, he asks God to take action within him. He says, God, I, I want your mercy operative in my life. I need to experience your closeness your tenderness, your loving kindness, your goodness. I need to know your presence. Um, I need to know you're hearing me. I need to sense your face in this dark pit. Be with me. And I just think there's profundity there. We're quick to say, God, fix my circumstances, almost like he's a genie at our command. And we want him to do stuff for us but what David says is, before you do anything for me, I want you. I, I need you, God. I need you to be with me. And this changes everything, my friend. David realizes God may have some purpose. God does have some purpose in the circumstances. And what he needs more than deliverance from the circumstances is he needs the presence of God in those circumstances. Now, this is deep faith. This is big faith. This is next level Christianity, okay? I mean, elementary level Christianity is, God, do stuff for me. Next level Christianity is, God, I'm in deep. And before you get me out, just know, let me know you're with me. Go through deep with me. If you want me to go through deep, I'll go through deep. I'll go through dark. I'll go through storm. I'll bear burden. I'll endure sickness. I'll do what you want me to do, God, but do it with me. 
Like, give me your mercy, give me your love, give me your presence, give me your grace. Be with me in it. That's what verse 17 is and preceding. Hide not thy face from thy servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Look at verse 18. He continues the thought. Draw nigh unto my soul. Now the next phrase, redeem it, we'll come back to that. But God, come close to me. Do you you see the contrast here between the request of get me out of here? Put yourself in the pit. You've got somebody outside the pit that's offering to throw you a rope, and you say, well, before you give me a rope, could you come in with me, okay? Um, That's kind of what David is praying with God. God, I know you could get me out of this in your time, in an acceptable time, verse 13, but until then, come into the pit with me, draw nigh to me, draw nigh to my soul, my psyche, my inner man, my heart. I need your presence and your grace, and redeem it. Now, let's just talk about redeem it, and then I'm going to let you go for today. We think of redemption in eternal scale. We think of it as the moment of salvation, which is true. That's accurate. Once you trust Christ, we could say we are redeemed, okay? I love that song, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by, love that song. Um, So, I'm redeemed, but there's there's two other senses of redemption that we can play out and tease out here. Um, Paul says in Ephesians 1 that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise until the redemption of the purchased possession. So there will come a time where our bodies will be either dead or uh, lifted up in rapture and we'll meet the Lord in the air. We'll be given new bodies and we'll be, our redemption will be made complete. Okay, The redemption of the purchased possession will be taken into his possession literally materially, physically, spiritually, and eternally. Um, And that completes redemption. And then there's a sense that we could say we are being redeemed. And I mean that in the sense of sanctification. Salvation is a miracle of a moment, but it's also the progression and the process of a lifetime, isn't it? You're not who you used to be, but you're not who you will be. And you're growing every day. And so in that sense, you are in the process of being made new, renewed. So your redemption is being carried out in God's wonderful growth process. So David is, in a sense, he knows he's standing in the truth of salvation. So in that sense, he knows he's redeemed. He knows he will be one day delivered, so he knows he one day will be redeemed. So I believe that the sense of this is um, sanctify and grow me and redeem me um, in my present situation. Redeem me from the threat of of what this is doing to swallow me up. Draw nigh to me and redeem me. And now look at the, the rest of the verse. Deliver me because of mine enemies. Uh, now I love this. God, don't let the enemies glory over you. This is not about me and my enemies. This is about your enemies and you, God. Okay, And if they win against me, then they glory against you because I'm your anointed king. You promised my throne would continue so this is your promise on the line. You see, David sees this as a spiritual battle bigger, bigger than him. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. So he realizes this is not about him and his enemies horizontally. This is about his enemies and God. They've actually, in taking on David, they've taken on God. And so he says, God, deliver me from your enemies. These are your enemies. And if they win, it's your name that's tarnished, not only mine. 
And this is where the psalm is probably going to ramp up pretty intensely in David's prayer. We'll park it here until Monday. Join us Sunday, worship together with the church family, pray for us, have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday.